2: So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got
0: your... Noodle no Great, Scott! It's me, the Doc. Don't worry, you're not imagining things. Uh, I guess you could say I'm in command of this mission. <laughs> uh, we're all set to launch this episode into orbit, but before that, let's meet the rest of the crew that's along for the ride this week. Uh, first off... He is, I guess, you could call him the Michael Collins of our crew, uh, the man who keeps the command module in orbit. Orbital uh, tangent. Uh, the host of the fastest growing show in the Talk Nerdy Network, the man who keeps the nerd in nerd alert. Commander Scott.
3: So, have you ever heard of a gentleman named Martin Arthur Coney? Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah, yeah I know him. <laughs> uh, not, not Arthur Conan Doyle. No, no, no. So he was a doctor. Uh, he, he invented was... the Coney Dog, right? He did not. He did oh, not. Okay. But but he is known. He does have a connection to Coney Island, even though their their names are spelled differently. So he's his cue in it. He is known as the Incubator Doctor. He is best known. He had a sideshow attraction at Coney Island. Uh, uh uh i'm trying to i'm trying to l- look at my notes here uh, as far as when it actually happened uh it was sometime around uh, the t- the turn of the century and stuff called the Infentorium. okay okay um so basically so incubators up to this point they were used you know chicken eggs and and all that good stuff well dr coney basically came out with uh he he published uh, 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 works and stuff in in the medical journal the Lancet uh during the Diamond jubilee in, in 1897 and and everything and 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 he basically touted that the incubator could be used to save you know premature babies but but the medical community and everybody basically laughed at it and they're like, no, we're not spending that money. It's it's not worth it. Just you know, it, premature babies are they're they're not viable. Just the, it, it's best just to, you know, put you know put them out of their misery as quickly as possible, uh, and everything. And he did not believe in this, uh, and and, and basically he created an incubator. Um, uh, let's see here, uh, visiting the infant exhibit, and and he he created the infantorium uh uh at uh, Coney Island, where literally he would put out the call for premature babies to display you know as a sideshow attraction uh, at Coney yeah. Island, uh which he used to pay, and they were all displayed in incubators, okay right. um uh, the uh, so at the Coney Island Infantorium, uh, uh Coney worked in tandem with established Dr. Julius Hess uh, and he employed a team of nerf- nurses uh, who lived on-site, taking care of premature uh, infants at all hours. Uh, Coney is usually remembered for his Coney Island facility, but he also established a similar exhibit in Atlantic City, which ran for 38 years from 1905 to 1943. it um, uh, uh, was influenced by one of his, the ner- nurses' later wife, uh, who, in- who insisted upon the importance of strict hygiene and systematic procedure. And basically, doing it this way, he saved like thousands of infants from unnecessary death and pioneered what we know today as prenatal care through a circus side a uh, circus sideshow, basically at Coney Island, Atlantic City, the Chicago World's Fair at the turn of the century, because nobody else in the medical community thought it was viable or it was even worth it to do. Um, but but this man basically single-handedly created the feel of of, of not prenatal that's that's before birth but uh, neonatal neonatal care uh, uh, and and everything and if you, you should really look him up because he is yeah Dr Coney and he is just awesome in in what he did uh, this this popped on my feed a while back and I just I wanted to, to, to throw this out there and once
0: again a while back could be anywhere from ten years. To two weeks ago. To the start of the show. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> could have been any length of time in there. Well, thank you, Commander Scott, for that nerd fact.
2: Uh-huh. Thank always... you for insisting we learn something, whether
0: we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that you know <laughs> three since you hear I guess we'd be the other member of our crew. You could refer to him as the Buzz Aldrin. Uh, he's the man who keeps us on course every week to try to come in for a smooth landing. He is, of course, your favorite host in all of podcasting, Obi John.
2: Thank you, Jay. Uh, so, since I'm taking your spot today, uh, I wanted to throw something out there, but it's me. Uh, so I, I, I Obi John, this a little bit. So I wrote a little something, guys. Okay, I, I, I came up with something totally my own thought process. I wrote this myself. Uh, let me know what you think of this, okay? Uh, right. This is an honor of today's topic, okay. Space, the final frontier. It's big, really big, vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big. It's a tough word. Since the dawn of man, we've dreamed of what possibilities that space could hold. Only those who possess the right stuff have willed to see those dreams given form. It's been a long road, getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But our time is finally here to take one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go to infinity and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. I wrote that. I wrote that myself. Thank you.
3: So, first of all, my hat's <laughs> off to you for getting not one, not two, but three Star Trek references in that. Thank you, sir.
2: Uh, that's also Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, that's also uh, some yeah, Babylon yeah.
3: 5 just for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and and the, let me finish. And also, okay, sorry. Sorry. For, getting, for getting Hitchhiker's Guide in there, for the mind-bogglingly big it is, uh, and for the Babylon 5 restaurants, thank you very much. I appreciate all of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very nice.
2: Thank, thank you, I, Jay, for calling me Buzz Aldrin because he's the inspiration for Buzz
0: Lightyear, which is my favorite, so thanks. Uh, well, also... <laughs> Uh, I appreciate how Shatnered that got. I, oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it felt very Shatner-ish. Anybody uh, in the pre-show knows Shatner is now <laughs> at the forefront of all of our minds. So this whole show, uh, from now on, we're all just gonna
0: Shatner the hell out of it. So to infinity and beyond. Beyond. Uh so well, <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't picked up on it yet, uh, we've got kind of an interesting topic for you this week. Uh Ah, uh, Scott and I, Commander Scott and I, kind of came up with this. Um, so what we're going to be talking about is space travel and film and television. Uh, well, uh, sorry, Scott, we're not going to be talking necessarily about Star Trek entirely. Uh, but we're going to kind of take some of the fiction out of science fiction today uh, and get into a sort of open discussion about it. Uh, but I thought a fun way to start off today's topic uh, would be to talk about something, share something, maybe a story, maybe a little anecdote. Uh, Wait, wait, what is it? A uh, factoid? Ah, Uh, That's a deep deep cut. Wow. Deep cut. (laughs) Wow. I like it, Jack.
2: I like it.
0: (laughs) Something that's inspired by this topic, you know, space travel. Um, Maybe a movie you saw, a TV show. Maybe you met an astronaut. Maybe uh oh what is it, Star Tours? Why don't you start us out in Disney? Gotcha. Oh, I got a Disney story for you. So who wants to who wants to start off? Who wants to fire this off for us?
2: All right, Jay. So you brought up Disney. Okay. Star Tours is cool. Don't get me wrong. I love Star Tours. It's always fun jumping on the Endor Express. Uh taking a but uh if you're talking space and Disney. And you want to get really nerdy with your Disney space. There's only one destination, and that is Mission Space at Epcot. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. It is a flight simulator where you are a crew member in a capsule. So think an Apollo capsule, only it's a theme park ride. You sit down, the capsule closes, you're surrounded by switches and knobs and buttons and joysticks and a view screen. And you're thinking, okay, John, well, how do they simulate? Is it like a flight simulator? No, 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 no. No, this is not a flight simulator. You're not watching a uh, 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 film of a spaceship flying around and your your seat moves in accordance. No, 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 my friend. You have just strapped yourself in to a NASA-grade centrifuge.
0: Ooh.
2: <laughs> so strap in <laughs> because you're about to pull some Gs. Uh, this ride is notorious for... <laughs> the number of people is the only ride at Disney that automatically has a barf bag in front of your seat every time you get on it. Uh, and they, they famously had to tone it down. And if you go there now, there's a orange line and a green line, the green line your centrifuge will not move. <laughs> they had to tone it that far down. Uh, people were passing out left and right and throwing up and uh, it led to more than a couple of uh, cardiac uh, incidents. Um, I don't think anyone died, but I might be wrong on that. Um, But if you're brave of heart, if you've got the right stuff, dare I say, get on the, I think it's the orange line or the red line, whatever, um, and you will get on a legit NASA-grade centrifuge, uh, inside a cockpits like each position has a, a task you have to do during the mission uh to to succeed in your mission it's really cool uh the original pre-flight film had um gary sinise from apollo 13 oh, nice. uh, i think they've swapped it out but i might be wrong um but so yeah matt damon uh, from,
1: from matt
2: Damon. <laughs> Uh, it's it's erroneously often referred to as mission to Mars. That is not what that <laughs> ride is. It's called Mission Space. Cause you go out into space, you do eventually land on Mars. Spoiler. Um, but it's really cool. It's the closest I'll ever get to to being in a, a space shuttle during a launch. Uh and after this last trip we took last year. Uh yeah, I'm good. I'm good now. Um, I'm done. I'm good. My astronaut days are over. Uh, you know, in my 20s, I could jump on that all day. And be like, that was awesome. Let's do it again. And then I did it in my, my late 30s. And I was like, yeah, John's going to sit down for a while. Y'all go ahead. This, this bench is good. I'm going to sit. What's this ride called? Bench outside the ride. I'm, I'm going to sit here for a minute. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Mission Space. Test your nerve. Make sure you don't have a pre-existing heart condition before you
0: go, though. Uh, nice. That's awesome. Um, I guess I can could, I could share. I'll share. Uh, Please do. I so like travel was inspired by my dad because he was alive during most of all of the Apollo missions, uh, and space shuttle launches and things. And so he's you know he was born in '52, so he would have been uh, seventeen when they landed on the moon. Right? Because it was '69.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so he remembered all that, right? And, uh, which was awesome. I mean, we went to see a lot of space travel movies together. Like he was like, oh, when first man came out, he's like, let's go see first man. And I was like, okay. So he and I went to go see first man. Uh, he wanted to see Apollo 13. So we saw Apollo. Um, uh, he wanted anything that was like, we saw interstellar. We just saw all these movies that were about space travel. I always went with him. He wanted to go see all that. Terrible one with Chris Pratt. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, the Passengers. Yes, he wanted to see that because we were talking we about
2: a cool premise that went sideways
0: quick. Yeah, we were both led astray. Dad and I were both led astray by that. <laughs> we. <but> we <laughs> all were, buddy. We all were. uh so anyway, he you know was big into space travel. So I wanted to repay him for his inspiration of space travel. So I we went one time with the family and the rest of the family went to go do a thing and i was like dad come on let's go down to the air and space museum downtown at the smithsonian they got a lot of cool nasa stuff let's go check it out he's like okay so we go down you know they've got a mercury capsule they've got gemini capsule and then there's this apollo capsule behind these ropes just sort of sitting there and he's like hey take my picture in front of this apollo capsule and i was like all right and i was taking his picture and i was like dad did you you know what apollo capsule that is and he goes, "No." And he's just sort of like looking at it, and I was like, that is? And he's like, no, no. I said, you didn't read the plaque? No, I didn't read the plaque. And I was like, Dad, that's Apollo 11. What? It's Apollo 11, Dad. That's the Apollo 11 capsule. What? That what? The Apollo? This one was at the moon? I was like, yeah, Dad, that's the one, you know, carried Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins. They went to the moon, landed as Apollo 11. You're kidding me! That one right there! And I'm, like, snapping pictures, and I sent it to the guys, and they got a good chuckle out of it. But he's... There's a great picture of him just pointing backwards, right as he's saying, this one right here was... The so that was... It was a lot of fun. We got to see uh, the Apollo 11 capsule. He was, like, a little kid. Everything that was there was really cool. Uh, especially the Skylab walkthrough. That's awesome. They have a section of, like, the... Saturn V rocket that got turned into Skylab
3: that you can walk through. So, there's my story. That's cool. Yeah, I love that picture of your dad. You, know, you, you could just see the 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 <laughs> awe and wonder in his eyes. Yeah. In a, oh yeah. In, in that picture and, and such, it, it, it's uh, uh, uh it, it is it is such a good picture and, and everything. And uh, I, I could only imagine what it was like, I, I, how, how hard it was to, to, to fight back the, the chuckles, you know, as your dad was slowly realizing what he's standing next to. Uh, yeah.
0: Like when he, when it finally clicked, I, I laughed. I was like, dad, but, it's Apollo 11. Like
2: When you showed us that picture, Jay, I could hear your dad in but, my head. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If you have if you ever met him and knew his voice, you just, you can hear it. You're just like, yeah, as soon as I I, I, I could just hear you. Well, that one. Oh, right there. <laughs> yes, I could. Yeah. I, that's yeah, a great pick. Yeah. Funny. All right,
2: Coy, give us a nerdy memory about space.
3: Well, many years ago, I, I lived in, uh, Radcliffe, Kentucky, and I worked in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Um, And about halfway between the two on 31W, uh, which is known as Dixie Highway in some some parts of uh, the state, there was a, I don't know what you would call it, it was called the Challenger Science Center or Science Learning Center or something, it was this I don't know. It was it was like a little place you could go to, and they had little exhibits and stuff. It wasn't a very big place, and it wasn't a very popular place. Not a, pe- a lot of people didn't even realize it was there. That type of thing, you know, like something the county put some money into, I guess, because they had some funding, and it had to go to education and learning or something. And they so they built this thing. I don't know. But one day, and this was late nineties, ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere along in there um i i was headed home from work i was actually i left left work early that day it was about like 2 30 in the afternoon and so i'm i'm on 31w you know and i'm in the left-hand turn lane i'm at the intersection where the challenger uh learning center is and at this intersection to get to the challenger learning center which i'd never been there but i knew where it was you have to make a right. Okay. now keep in mind, this is this at this point, this is a this is a six lane kind of highway thing going on here. Uh, So you got like two lanes going northbound, two lanes going southbound. And on each side, you've got two turn lanes. Right. And so it's a big intersection. And 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 I'm I'm in the left hand turn lane to turn left to, to go to my apartment. And, of course, to do the Challenger, you got to turn right. Well, I'm in the left-hand turn lane because I'm going home. And I happen to have the radio on, and it, they just – and so the light turns green. Now It's 2.30 in the afternoon. There's n- there's really not many people. There's basically nobody on the road. Um, but uh, as the light turns green they start to go, they mention that uh, they, they a news story came on the radio that Buzz Aldrin was going to be at the Challenger Learning Center. That afternoon, and he was uh, he was promoting a book and stuff, and he was talking about some some project he was heading up with with NASA and stuff. I don't even remember the project, but it was Buzz Aldrin. I'm like, oh, well, that'd be kind of cool. And they're like, yeah, you know, he'll he'll be at the Challenger Learning Center today uh, at three o'clock or something. Keep in mind, it's like two forty five now. And I'm like, shit, that's the, that's now. Holy shit. And and so I'm looking up and I'm halfway through this turn and there's no cars around. So I just, I cut the wheel and I literally just do a complete, like halfway (laughs) through a left-hand turn. Just keep going around the turn. Just turn full, like 90 degrees in the intersection and head back out the way I need to go Uh, (laughs) and and go up there uh, just to, just to, to see. It was, it was a decent little talk and stuff. And, uh. Uh there was there was maybe a dozen people there and stuff and afterwards they had some you know drinks and little meet and greet and stuff and it was it was cool he shook hands he did the normal thing it was it was um but also one thing that was was really funny and 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 and, uh, and I debated on doing this for about 30 seconds and I ultimately decided not to but but for for, for a half a minute there uh because I'm like, shit, it'd be cool to get his autograph or something, even though I don't think he was actually signing autographs. But the only thing I had in the car with me is I had a copy of Jim Lovell's book, Lost Moon. <laughs> 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 I really debated taking it in and going, Mr. Aldrin, Mr. Alderman, would you be so kind as to get uh, 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 Mr. Lovell to sign this next time you see him? Ah. <laughs> oh.
2: uh. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think you made the right call there, Scott. <laughs> well they so they actually flew together in uh Gemini. Yes. Uh yes. I think I think Jim Lovell was the commander, the commanding pilot. Yep. Which I can't I can't remember how they labeled Gemini. It was like one was like the commander, the other was the pilot or something.
3: I think it was, yeah. I think it was commander and pilot, yeah. Left Twix, right Twix. <laughs>
0: yeah. But they uh they replaced the. This is, this is too much about this stuff. They replaced the Agena, the Agena uh, capsule, I guess, or Agena spacecraft that Gemini Seven was supposed to rendezvous with. Yeah, I think they were Gemini Six or Gemini. 7, either way, one was six, one was seven. They ended up rendezvousing in space to show that two spacecraft could meet in orbit.
3: Yeah, it was. It was the first. It was the first orbital rendezvous, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't a docking.
0: No, they just they just kind of held station with each other for a long time and
1: yeah,
2: took they, a lot of
0: cool pictures of each other. And then yeah. um, I think that's when Buzz Aldrin showed that you could do stuff outside and make it like useful. Um, so he did like a useful EVA, not like uh, was it Ed White, where he just sort of was like popped out and then popped back in.
2: Yeah, just so he could be out longer than the
0: Russians. Yeah, he yeah. popped out, waited, popped back in. Actually, he popped out, waited, had to deflate some air from his suit to get back in,
3: and oh, then got back in. Because of the pressure difference?
0: Yeah, because, like, they it, they had not been prepared for what would happen. And so when he left and got out, his inflated too much and they were worried that he was never gonna get back inside and they he did something released some air and that got him back in the capsule
3: yeah um well so speaking of jim lovell uh and everything and and his book lost moon which of course was the uh the the in the the, the 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 source material for the movie apollo 13 um you know that Jim Lovell appears in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's the he's the captain of the aircraft carrier that covers the uh One of the yeah, he's one of the um, he's on deck. He, well, he's, he's like cap- one of the. He, he, is he the captain? He's playing the captain because he's the one that meets them, and he shakes their hand and such. Yes, yes. yes. Um, however. Uh, cause he's, cause he's cast as the captain. However, when he showed up at, you know, the, the production and, and to do this and everything, they, they, they were going to take him to costume fitting. So, so he could get fitted for, you know, uniform and everything like that. And he refused. He said, no. Uh, he said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to appear in my uniform. And he's wearing his actual naval uniform with his rank because, uh, and to, to quote Jim Lovell, He's like, I was I was, I, I am a, a, a retired naval officer. I was a commander at the time of retirement, which is what I will be on film. So he's wearing his uniform with commander rank.
0: That's awesome. Nice. Ah, and that, that actually says what I like to think of it as sort of an appetizer to space travel films i know that uh, i think i think the right stuff came out before apollo 13 oh, yeah. Um, it did, yeah well but but i, I but think, I think it, go ahead scott
3: well, i was gonna say i think we could all agree that apollo 13 is kind of the gold standard for you know space exploration in film yeah,
2: yeah. that's when, we, when i was starting to do research for this there's uh, There's two main categories these movies fall into, and one is like the historical or the biopic, where the, the focus is telling the history of the true event. And the other, which is far more populated, is the what I would call speculative fiction, not necessarily science fiction, which is the like, hey, it's a made up story, but we'll try to get some of the science right uh which is where everything else falls into and there's not a whole lot in the first category to choose from Right, and i think part of that is because like scott said apollo 13 pretty much nailed it
3: yeah yeah they it, it, yeah yeah when when it when it comes to that biopic thing yeah you don't you don't have a lot in there uh for that. I mean, of course, Apollo 13, which we're talking about, and Jay was bringing up the right stuff, which came up first. And then that's sort of like a, a history of the, the U.S. space program uh, up to it goes up to the start of the Apollo program, right?
0: No, it goes up. It goes through the seven. It,
3: it goes, goes through the Mercury seven. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it it doesn't, doesn't get into Gemini
0: because okay. it, it ends with Gordo Cooper.
3: OK, OK. It's been a while since I've seen the right stuff.
0: Um, But yeah like, i do yeah, want to like caution said,
2: like first man, that was another one it, sorry sorry we're getting some mic Go ahead. uh i do want to caution there is a reboot series also called the right stuff um i forget what streaming service it's on um skip that watch the film because the the series is focusing more on like the interpersonal relationships of the astronauts than it is the actual like astronauting um so make sure you get... I think the 83, I think, is when it came out. Um, watch the
3: movie. Uh, I didn't know there was a new series.
2: Yeah, I got excited, and then I watched it, and I was like, hmm.
3: Well, I mean, even the movie focuses on the interpersonal stuff of the astronauts.
2: Yeah, but that's yeah. a, like, two-hour and ten-minute movie. This is, like, a 12-episode, multiple-season thing, and it's just like, okay, are we going to get to some some space stuff, or... Them doing anything, no, just okay. So and so is having an argument with his wife, okay. That, that's all this episode is, okay. Cool, okay. Like <laughs> that kind of stuff, like, yeah. Uh,
0: um, but like it's about Apollo 13, them doing it right, yes. And they, they definitely Hollywooded up that story, they did. Um, I don't want to say a lot because it's it's already got enough drama and things in it. Um, but they definitely added some Hollywood flair to it. Um, there are some, some, some things that they got right and some things that they sort of missed the ball and sort of took, uh, liberties with. Um, I know one is, uh, Gary Sinise's character. Yes. Uh, I can't think of his name. He, he didn't have, like, he came down with something beforehand and that's why he was replaced. Like, it yeah. wasn't
3: last minute. No. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't last minute. Well, and also, in, in the movie, um, you know, uh, when he when he goes to tell his wife, you know, and he says um, uh, Alan Shepard's ear inflec- infection has flared up, which is why they got bumped to the prime crew of Apollo 13.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, th- that's, that's not what happened. Um, uh, Alan Shepard had been sick, and he had missed, he had to miss quite a bit of days of prep, and he felt he wasn't ready. Yep. And so he voluntarily stepped down from the mission. Yes. Uh and, and that and, and that's something that that you know I don't think any movie for space exploration has really gotten it completely right. And and that is the dedication of these people to the program. Like they put the program before themselves. Yeah, they were excited when they got missions, but like Alan Shepard, like I said, he was he got sick. And he had to miss some prep days and he had to miss some stuff to get well. And, and when he got back into it, he's like, given the amount of time we have, he goes, I don't I don't think I'm ready for this mission. And, and he stepped out.
0: Yeah. And that's like and like how they like Kevin Bacon as Jack Swagger. Yeah. Like a sort of cocky rookie that doesn't know anything He's like, no, all these guys were highly trained. Like yeah, you, they did not sort of um throw somebody in who wasn't ready. Like yeah. they they were prepared. Yeah. Yeah. But
3: you know, in Hollywood
2: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna split hairs with all that stuff. But I'll I'll say this. There's an adage in Hollywood never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. And so if some of those things like does it really matter why he stepped down and Jim Lovell was commander? No, just no, 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 Jim Lovell was no. the commander. Yeah,
3: so it, it that
2: shit I don't care about. No,
3: no, yeah and, and and I agree. I mean don't get me wrong. And they
2: not- they don't imply so much that Kevin Bacon's a rookie. It's just that he wasn't assigned to that crew. He was the backup crew, and right. yes, he was the first bachelor to go to space. There was a big thing about that. So his his cocky swagger. Those guys were all cocky. Yep. They were the best, the best, the best. Yes. So right. it, it's not so much that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's just that. And, and they granted, yeah, it's a movie, so they heightened that up a bit. But there's a level of like, you're the new guy to our crew because you're the backup crew um i think that's where the 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 conflict comes from but but again
3: in in the movie there's a line they literally call him rookie like in the movie he says come on rookie park that thing literally
2: that's that's a line rookie the word okay okay he's 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 not though none of the astronauts call him a rookie
3: i know okay
0: (laughs) eh, okay okay anyway i i will say that though this movie like definitely ignited a passion in me for space travel and like learning more about this stuff. And I know I went on like a spree after this learning as much as I could about the space program, whether it be the shuttles or, um, you know, the Apollo missions. And I like, I remember figuring, finding out about the Mercury missions. Like I knew, uh, Alan Shepard was the first man, first American in space. And I knew that John Glenn was the first American to orbit but I didn't know that there were seven of them. Like it just—it snowballed. Yep. <laughs> this movie made well, me snowball real hard.
3: So, so I, I've got I've got a couple of other small space exploration related anecdotes, if if I may.
2: Yeah. No. Before we jump yeah. off completely, uh, since you guys are shitting on Apollo thirteen,
0: How I, I love and, it. I I clearly you guys soul hate soul this standard. movie. Well, I love that you guys
2: movie. Hate well, this. Oh, God. no one likes it. All right. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah. I just, there's there's one thing I would like to point out about Apollo 13. Yeah. Uh, and that is, there's a lot of cool movies about space. This is the only film that went to the ridiculous lengths to make sure the scenes of those guys in that capsule in space were all filmed in zero G. Oh, yeah. They didn't fake it. There's no nope. wires. They didn't, you know, pretend you're floating like every other low budget movie does. They literally strapped. A a recreation of the Apollo capsule, uh, They're set, into the cargo space of the Vomit Comet. And they made, I forget the exact number, but they they set a record for number of dives in the Vomit Comet. Because they basically got, was it like 30 seconds to shoot a scene before they had to level out again? Yep. And they did that all day, day after day after day, to get
3: all that stuff shot in zero G. So this is where we're glad to have that we have the doc on this show. Because for those that don't know what the vomit comet is, it's a modified C one thirty uh that, that simulates weightlessness because it flies in parabolas. And on the yeah. downwards that downward slope, you're falling at the same rate as the plane, so you are weightless. And when it comes to what I mean by flying in parabolas, we have the dock. It's it's actually it's more um, it's a Pringle, right? Yeah, uh, okay. uh flew with would, Pringles.
0: It is parabolic in nature, but it's more, um, it's more, um, trigonet- trigonometric in, in nature because okay. so it's more like a sine wave because okay. a sine wave is like you increase, then down, then up, then yep. down. Think yep. of like waves on the ocean you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. Uh, so actually, they so at a certain altitude that they know they drop at the at a certain rate so that they lose gravity and you're not really losing gravity. It's just, you are falling at the yeah. same rate as the plane, like you you're said, in free fall. Yeah. Um, which simulates it, which is what um, astronauts are actually experiencing in space in orbit is continuous yep. free fall. It's
3: continuous free fall around the
0: planet. Yeah. Um, so actually, and then what's interesting is when they are at the bottom of the curve and then yeah. have to climb again, uh, you have to get on the deck, like, on your stomach or, or off-standing. You have to be laying down uh, because of the G-forces <laughs> that come into play when oh, they yeah. pull it out of the dive and bring it back up. So you are going from zero gravity yep. to, you know, three, four, five Gs pulling. So imagine being on a roller coaster. Oh. And that is why they call it the Vomit Comet is because... It's not necessarily the free falling part; it's the coming out of free fall that's tough. Yeah, uh, yeah,
3: years, yeah. Yeah, years ago, my my grandfather uh, had his private pilot's license, and he owned a Cessna 172. Uh, and he used to take me up flying. And one of the things that I used to love when I was a kid, and he would do it with me occasionally, is whenever he was he was practicing stalls and stall recovery in the aircraft. Yeah. So, first of all, the, the Cessna 172 aircraft is a very, very flight-stable aircraft. It, it, it's very hard to get it to lose flight characteristics. It, it's one of the best aircraft that was ever designed. Um, it's a little four-passenger, single-prop aircraft. And what he would do is, is so you would take it – some people call it the pencil trick because it's typically done with a pencil, but you can do it with whatever small object – and you would take the aircraft, uh, you know, up to its its ceiling altitude and he would pull it into a climb at its ceiling altitude. And you would you would you, you would and you would feel it struggling to keep to try keep pulling this aircraft up. And then all of a sudden you would hear the stall alarm. go, The stall light would come on and that aircraft. He would he would push the yoke in and literally that aircraft would nose over. And you would feel your stomach just drop out, you know, just like you said on a roller coaster. And then you're in free fall for the next however, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And you would have the pencil or whatever in your hand. And once you felt that that nose over, you would let it go. And it would literally float right there in front of you because you're all in free fall together. You, the aircraft, whatever object uh, and, and everything it was fun as shit because I was like 10 years old and didn't know to be scared for my life. But it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would good. love to ride the Vomit Comet. I would do oh, that.
0: One. I would too. I would I would love it. Uh they still use it for a lot of things actually.
3: They do. Um and there's some private ones too. I think there's some there's, there's yeah. some private aircraft that uh will 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 do it for the tourist stuff. Uh but it's it's like it's it's not cheap to go on those.
0: But the, this is also why you know you say you're glad that I'm on the show to describe these math things, but I'm also glad that Obi John's on the show to bring us all these facts about the film.
2: You handle the science; oh,
0: uh, science. I'll handle the trivia. He does research.
2: <laughs> well, I'm
0: trying to not <laughs> sound like a no moron talking to you
2: two, and I've, I've already failed. So,
0: <laughs> but I I do want to say though that uh, so like Apollo 13 sort of springboarded. I guess you could say the Apollo program and a TV show that I really loved was um, from earth to the moon. Oh, you stole mine. You know, Ah,
3: you know, I was going
2: to try to undercut all you guys.
3: Well, so (laughs) I'm, 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 I'm actually glad you brought this up because I did not know this existed until I started doing some, uh, I was looking for sound clips for, for today's episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because I was looking for the radio chatter for Apollo 12. Oh, And I found found this scene from it. I've got it queued up here. It's from the Earth and the Moon. And the reason that I was like. Because it's not the actual radio chatter, but it gives you the gist of what happened with Apollo 12. Uh, And and I I saw um, uh, the the actor playing Alan Bean uh, in this movie or this 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 TV show um, was the same actor from news radio and i'm like when the hell was he in a space thing because i remembered him from news radio kids in the hall scrubs and all that good stuff and, and i forget his name uh,
1: Okay,
3: here but i've got it queued up if you if you want me yeah. to play, go ahead and roll it yeah yeah baby we had just over half a minute of the trouble-free launch and all hell busted loose uh, I just lost a whole bunch of stuff. Right? We just had a whole bunch of buses drop out. What we got here, AC bus one light, all the fuel cells. Uh, okay, Houston, uh, we just lost the platform here, gang. I don't know what happened here. We had everything in the world drop out. I got three fuel cell lights, an AC bus light, a fuel cell disconnect, AC bus overload one and two, main bus A and B out. We had some big glitch here, gang. I got AC. Got AC? Yes. I Maybe mean, it's just the indicator. What do you got on the main bus? 24 volts. That's low. We got a short on it at some time, but I can't believe that's accurate.
0: Flight Ecom. Go, Ecom. I think it's a fuel cell bus failure. They've been thrown offline somehow. That must be why we're getting garbage here. Can they try SCE to AUX? Jared Griffin had never heard that command before. I'm pretty sure most of the people mission control hadn't. <laughs> Tell him. Apollo 12, Houston. Try SCE to Auxiliary. Over. FCE dogs, Silver, what the
3: hell is that? <laughs> I'm not sure even Pete
0: knew what that was. But one person did.
3: I, I know what that is. Uh, FCE dogs! We're, we're getting good telemetry from you, again. Try to reset your fuel cells. Reset fuel cells. Wait for staging. Wait for staging, yes. Hang on. GDC is good. We got a good S two gang.
2: So, so I yeah. What th- that is is you, you got to jiggle it.
3: <laughs> SEC to OX. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. So <laughs> if you listen to the actual radio chatter, so first of all, the the history behind this is Apollo twelve. Uh, they were they were actually on the launch pad and they were debating on whether or not to scrub the launch because there was a storm over the pad, and somebody made the the comment like well why do we care if there's a storm they're only going to be in it for a few seconds right you know they're going to be through it in 10 seconds and they're like that's true yeah so so they went ahead with the launch and as far as i know it was the first time they'd launched an in inclement weather uh and i also believe it's the last time they launched an in inclement weather um because the 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 uh the the the, the center five rocket got hit not once but twice by lightning as it went through the storm. And they know this because uh, uh, video evidence and reports from the ground saw lightning twice uh, ride the contrails from the, from, from the spacecraft to the launch gantry. Um, and as soon as they got hit, they like lost all telemetry. Like shit was going wonky, right? Yep. And nobody knew what the hell was going on. Except for, so the ECOM operator and i forget who ecom was during this launch um but ecom was looking at his panel and he's like i know that light pattern i recognize that and and like like months before he just happened to be studying like his his manuals because this is the level of commitment these guys had you know was um He was just just in his downtime. He was at lunch or something and he was just 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 running through manuals and 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 his stuff just to refresh. He's like, I know what that is. I know what's going on and you can hear it if you if you can find the actual radio chatter from Mission Control that day. You hear it. He comes up and and it goes uh, flight Ecom. He's like uh, uh, go ahead Ecom. This is flight. I recommend we 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 have them switch SCE to Ox uh and flight goes what the hell is sce to ox and and he he says something along the lines of it's like it's a it's a it's a secondary electrical control houston i think the primary got fried uh he's like okay and it it, it goes he goes over he's like capcom flight he's like go flight capcom uh have them switch sce to ox and you'll hear capcom go what is sce to ox he's like don't worry about it just just relay the command (laughs) relay the order and so he calls up he's like uh apollo 12 capcom and 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 of course mission commanders like uh uh, go capcom he's like we recommend you switch sce to ox and you hear on and on this on the the clip from from the earth to the moon where they're dramatizing it of course they're not going verbatim you hear you know him like what the hell is sce to ox and it was it was uh it was the mission commander. Pete uh, it was Alan Alan Bean who who knew where it was. Nobody else knew where it was in the capsule because it had never been used before.
0: Wait, wasn't I thought Pete Conrad was the mission commander for twelve.
3: Oh, was he? I, I yeah. may be getting that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, was but, he hey, the
0: was he the pilot? Maybe.
3: No, no, because it because it was the guy in the center seat. As far as I know, that's the commander, right? Center seat's commander, in, in, that's in,
2: the seat that Tom Hanks is in in the movie. So um, anyway,
3: anyway, one person only. Who's the? Person. Oh,
0: he was the lunar module pilot.
3: Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he was the limb pilot. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he reaches up and he flicks it. You know, SCE to OX uh, and everything. And as soon as he does, it switches. It switches the controller. They get full telemetry back, and they continue on with the mission. And to my knowledge, that was the last time they they launched in inclement weather. So. Oh. launch and
2: thunderstorm all die even had it underlined <laughs>
3: but yeah i didn't so, know that from the earth to the moon was a thing until i found that clip
2: i'm glad to hear you say that because i i was hoping i would catch both of you off guard on this one uh so it's called from the Earth to the moon it was on on hbo in 1998 for 12 episodes let me throw some facts at you real quick produced by ron howard and tom hanks um, I love that in the 90s, Tom Hanks had this thing where he would make a movie and it, it wouldn't quite scratch the itch he wanted to scratch. So he'd go to HBO and make a miniseries about it because that's how we got Band of Brothers. Yep.
1: <laughs> and then true. this
2: and then the Pacific. <laughs> so keep it up, Tom Hanks. Uh, I think he directed a couple episodes of it, too. Um, it's the history of the entire uh, space program from Mercury through Apollo um, based on a book called uh, A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin. Uh, it was meant not intended uh, on their part, not to rehash moments that had already been more thoroughly covered elsewhere. So the Mercury program is basically the first episode, because if you want to know more about that, go watch the right stuff. Um, The episode that involves Apollo 13, um, they couldn't ignore Apollo 13, but what they did is, and this is really interesting. um, If you're a fan of the movie, definitely watch this episode. They tell the events of apollo 13 not from mission control not from the guys in in the apollo capsule but from the media back home trying to follow what happened so huh. it's a beautiful companion piece to the movie itself because it's made by tonics and ron Howard. um so it's like we're not gonna rehash what we already did uh let, let's tell the same stuff from a different perspective um uses archival footage intercut with new footage uh has a ridiculously huge cast ridiculously huge a cast 30 of the 32 astronauts appear in this show. Wow. Uh,
1: the
2: nice. other two, you hear their voices. You don't see them on screen. Uh, and including, I'm going to throw some names out to Ted Levine, Mark Harmon, Tim Daly, Steve Zahn, Brian Cranston, Adam Baldwin, Carrie Elways It goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, this show is amazing.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the cast. Now you get Stephen Root, Dave, uh, Nick Searcy is Deke Slayton. Um, yeah, I don't know how I completely missed this. I've oh, it uh, Such was a
2: nominated shoot. for 17 Emmys, won three for uh, Outstanding Miniseries, Outstanding Casting, and I didn't know this was a thing until now, Outstanding Hairstyling. <laughs> Their hair is on point, all 12 episodes, guys. Uh, also won a Golden Globe for Best Miniseries. So it is, it is, I went and checked it, it is available on HBO Max.
0: Oh, I need to watch it again. Yes. That's what I'll watch right before the show. I will definitely it's so good. good. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Apollo 12. So, fun fact. I don't know if many people know this, but each Apollo mission had its own goal. So, like, eight. Eight was, we're going to go to the moon to prove that a capsule and a crew can survive on its way to the moon. So, like, Mercury program was, hey, we can go into space. Gemini program was, hey, two people can go into space and they can survive for a long time. Apollo was like, hey, we're gonna get to the moon. That's the idea. And so then, after the tragedy of one, that's, they tested. I'll, go ahead.
2: So that, that's one great thing this miniseries does. Um, there's a there's a uh, point early on or Stephen Root's, I believe it's Stephen Root's character, uh, it's right after Kennedy declares we're going to go to the moon. So they're kind of in panic mode, and they go, okay, here's as clearly as we can the things we have to achieve in order to actually make that happen. And they break down, like, okay, we've got to get into orbit. We've got to be able to dock ships. We've got to be able to, like, they break down all the steps they have to figure out, not just figure out how to do, but do it consistently and reliably before we can even get to the moon. And yeah. when they talk about the whole docking in space thing, uh, there's this awesome an- an analogy he gives of, so if you want to practice that, come over to my house Saturday, throw it, stand on my front yard, and throw a tennis ball in the backyard. I'll stand in the backyard and try to hit your tennis ball with a rock. Because that's what we have to do here. Yeah. Yep. Um, um But yeah, but, it does a great yeah. job of... of. of uh, I'm not trying to stop on your toes, Jay, but like it, the show was made for people who didn't have no idea what's going on coming into this. They break it down for you in very clear steps so you understand why were there so many Mercury missions. Well, the first one worked. Why do we keep doing it? And then Gemini, well, we, why do we keep doing it? This is why we kept doing yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Um So, eight was... Eight was we go to the moon. So eight was the first one to go to the moon. Uh, nine stayed in Earth in orbit. In orbit, but not land, right? Uh, yeah. Eight went to the moon, yeah. went around the moon, came back. Came back. Um, nine. In orbit and showed that you could maneuver the LEM. So they pulled the LEM out and did stuff in Earth orbit with the lunar lander. Uh, Ten is what they called the dress rehearsal for the landing. So they did all the steps necessary to make a landing, including undocking the limb and taking it down to like, I think, yeah. I, I don't even remember, maybe like 70,000 feet, 80,000 feet above the surface of the moon yeah, to they do just, like a simulated landing.
3: Yeah. They just kind of dip their toe in yeah. in, in, in a little bit. Yeah. And then 11 was I the believe first that mission
2: was referred to as the, just the tip mission.
0: Yes. Just the <laughs> I'm just going to tease her a little bit. Uh, Eleven was the first plan. However, if Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin could not set down on the moon in a safe amount of time, with enough fuel to safely get back into orbit yeah. with the command module, twelve was going to be yeah. the landing.
3: Yeah. So yeah. So they went in. When they went into eleven with the, the thing of we're going to attempt a landing, you use your judgment. If you think you're not going to be able to successfully land with enough fuel, with, with enough safety margin to get back off, abort, and we'll use your data to make 12 the actual landing. And Neil Armstrong said, fuck that shit, we're putting her down.
0: <laughs> um. Well, and, and also... He missed
3: his so, intended landing target. He did, he did blow uh, he his was landing close, target. He close to zero fuel, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I'm not getting here. I'm not, I'm not getting this close and not being the first person on the moon. Screw that shit. Uh, right. And also, when he does, so, so after they sat down, you know, and, and the eagle, you get the hole, the eagle has landed. Uh, and then you get all the stuff. Cause it was like the next day before they actually did the EVA, right? Yeah. It was a while because they had to make sure everything was good. But when, when he, you know, steps onto the surface of the moon, and he does the whole, you know, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. If you'll listen to the audio, there's a little bit of a hesitation. If I remember correctly, he had like this whole plans like spiel speech thing, and he blanked and yeah. couldn't, couldn't remember it. So that's just what he came up with off the top
0: of his head.
2: Because uh, actually, Scott, what happened is um, his helmet fogged up, and he couldn't read the cue cards off stage. Oh. Wow, wow. <laughs>
0: okay uh yeah he because he's well from like from humble person to be the first man on the moon like yeah he wanted to be the first man but he didn't blow it way out of proportion um well but yeah that like and like you know and i keep talking about it but like the movie first man i really enjoyed it um it was Ryan Gosling played mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong, and it just basically follows his life. Again, it's a dramatization; it's not it, completely accurate, but yeah. it's a it good was, movie.
3: It was a decent movie. It was it was really good. I I didn't care for the kind of heavy handedness they gave of Neil Armstrong's, uh, um, oh, uh, was it uh, self deprecation or his his. his his being humble, you know. Yes. Yeah, they, they 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 sensationalized his his humbleness, whatever the hell the term is. I'm looking a for. I can't yes. Yeah, they, they 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 sensationalized that a lot. Yes.
0: Uh, but it was. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I know my dad really liked it too. Um, one one of my favorite scenes from that is when they're in that like multi position. where they have to do some sort of task and they're flipping on three axes.
1: Yeah.
0: And basically everybody throws up. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I feel like that would be accurate because, again, this is the first time these guys are doing this. Um, But I do want to give it justice for one thing that it got right, the fact that the uh, Earth Lunar Lander Practicer, that they, I think they nicknamed it the Spider. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he it crashed while he was flying it. <laughs>
1: um,
0: that <laughs> he was he was lucky to get away from that one. Otherwise, he would not have been the first man on the moon. Yeah. So no, he would not have.
3: Um. Well, speaking of Apollo Eleven and the lunar landing, and you know, movies that deal with that, um, there is another movie that I think. Is very, it's, it's not very well known, but it has to do with space exploration. It's a really good movie. You know what I'm saying? Any,
2: anytime I hear Scott say it's not well known, I get a little on edge.
3: <laughs> yes, okay. Other than it won 16 Oscars, it's not very well known.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Is, is it called Moonfall? Did it come out last summer? No, no, it's not called Moonfall
3: okay good um actually uh, I'm not transformers sure. dark of the moon Yep. <laughs> no um apollo 18 <laughs> transformers dark of the moon or the real reason the apollo mission started no 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 um it came out in 2000 uh it stars uh sam neill yep uh sam neill uh is the star of this movie and it's called the dish and I don't know if any of you all have ever seen it. I have not. Uh, Michael. Never heard of it. Yeah, Michael Weather Weatherby uh, Weatherly uh, from uh, 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 from. Oh, shit! What the hell's the name of that? This Man. is
2: why I take notes.
3: Anyway, Patrick Warburton's in it. You know, it's got a decent cast and everything. So it's based on a true story. Once again, take this with a grain of salt. It's it's dramatized. It's 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 Hollywood, so it's sensationalized. But. So Sam Neil, so there's a small town in Australia, okay, that basically had come into some money somehow, and they 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 there was like two camps on what they should do to spend this money, and what they ultimately spent it on was a very very large automated satellite dish that was capable of well interfacing with a lot of you know satellites in orbit and stuff, and a lot of people. If the town, in real life, thought this was a bad move, like they would never do anything for this, right? Um, but it turned out to be a big boon for them because when NASA decided to televise the moon landing, okay? Yeah. Their dish was the only dish large enough in the southern hemisphere to pick up and carry the video signal. Huh. So they got bumped from like low secondary tertiary status for for uh because you know nasa had to subcontract out satellites uh, or dishes in uh in in other parts of the world to to carry you know their their signals when when the spacecraft was on opposite sides of the planet so that they could relay communications back to nasa and everything and they were like a secondary or a tertiary uh staging post for You know, Apollo 11 uh, for for Apollo communication signals. But once again, once they decided to televise, they were the only dish big enough in the Southern Hemisphere that they could carry the TV signal. So they got bumped to Prime. Okay. So now in the movie. Prime with two-day delivery? No, (laughs) not, not that Prime. So Optimus. in the movie, basically what happens is so there's the so the NASA representatives are there, you know, the every they they're they're tracking Apollo eleven and all that good stuff. And they're they're having this big party for the NASA officials, you know, and the 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 night shift basically is at the dish. And something happens, I forget what happens, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but the dish loses power. Okay? Like, like there's a there's a blackout. And when the dish shuts down, all the computers shut down. And then, of course, power comes back up after a few minutes. And when power comes up, they they realize well, when the power went down, first and foremost, their their backup generator didn't kick in. Their backup generator was supposed to kick in. And so the guy that was supposed to maintain that was like, Oh shit, I fucked up. I forgot to, you know, I forgot to prime it. And, and so they didn't have backup power. So the dish actually lost power. And the dish comes back up and the dish starts rotating. It starts doing auto-rotate because it's lost its target. It doesn't, it doesn't know like all of its computers reset. It doesn't know what it's looking for anymore. And in order and 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 the guy that is Sam Neil, he's like he knows as soon as people start see this dish just rotating some of their the NASA people are going to know something's up. So he he reaches over and he hits like the E stop and it shuts the dish down. So it's not moving. Right? And so they're sitting there, and they they get the the call from the NASA people downstream. They're like, "Hey, we've lost telemetry from you. Uh, you know what's going on?" And they're like, "What the fuck do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do?" do, we do? And he's like, "Shit, we can't tell them we've lost Apollo 11.
2: Oh, and oh, so- I know. SFX to OX. <laughs> no, no. SCE okay.
3: to OX. SCE yeah. So so, but he gets on. And he's like, "No, no, we're all good these. here." Well but yeah, so he's like, yeah, we're all good here. We're we're getting good stream. Uh, it must be something you know downstream from us. But we're all fine here. Thank yeah. you. How are you? How are you? Yeah. And so literally, he's like, I just lied to NASA. So <laughs> the movie, the movie is about them trying to figure out how to reacquire Apollo Eleven without having to tell people they fucking lost Apollo Eleven <laughs> before the transmission. And this actually happened. Jeez. That's awesome. This actually happened now course once again it's a movie so they over the events you know uh and everything uh, but yeah it's, it's it it's a really good movie uh i highly recommend it it ties directly into space exploration and the space race of the apollo missions and apollo 11 and not very many people have heard of this movie so
0: in reality it took 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I forgot. They just turned
0: it off and turned it back on again. It was fine. <laughs> they they plugged it, unplugged it, plugged it back in. It was all good. Uh,
3: they installed service yeah. pet too two. Took <laughs> the
2: cartridge out, blew on it, waved it off, put it back in.
0: Nice. Uh, but you know we, and we keep we keep skirting this. We're gonna. I'm just gonna jump straight to it because I love it. Um. And it encompasses the Mercury program very, very well, I think. And that would be the right stuff. yeah And yes. I have, honestly, I've never seen a movie more well cast than that.
2: I was gonna say this movie has like the greatest cast ever.
0: like oh, when i when I think of Alan Shepard, I think of i, I and I can't think of his name. Uh, who plays him?
2: It'll you come make back. Make fun of me for having notes.
0: You know what? It's
1: oh. it's
2: fine. Uh, Scott Glenn? Wait, no, sorry. You said Shepard. Yeah. Alan Shepard.
1: Yeah. yeah, Scott Glenn. Uh, Scott Glenn's Alan Shepard.
2: Yeah. Sam Shepard is Chuck Yeager. Ed Harris is John Glenn. Dennis Quaid is Gordon Cooper. Fred Ward, Mr. Tremors himself, Gus
0: Grissom. And I'm going to tell you right now, I will never picture anybody else in my life as Gus Grissom other than Fred Ward. Um, he, and, he just oh god, I love his character.
3: Well, and and this is one of the few you know film TV things of the the uh, of of this era of space exploration and stuff of this genre that actually gives us uh, Chuck Yeager. As, as a character. Yes. Because he was never an astronaut. Um, he was the first man to break the sound barrier. Um, and from everything I've read, like, he always denounced the astronaut corps. You know, like, he was... It was one of those things where it was it was he wasn't picked to be an astronaut, so he constantly is like, I don't want to be an astronaut anyway. You know, it's just there's right. just a bunch of pansies and stuff. Like he was, yeah, he was. You you could tell, you know, in in his quotes that he was he was basically butt hurt that he didn't get immediately. Picked <laughs> to be an, uh, I was uh, just gonna uh, say, it's got uh, the the technical term for that is butt hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You. <laughs> but but most most other things leave him out. This is the one thing that brings him in.
0: And I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Commander Cox tangent. Here for a second, uh, even though we're here talking we go, about here the we right go. stuff. Go for it. Uh so Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I believe was it was it the Liberty Bell? No. That was the plane
3: that carried him. Oh, that I don't know. The plane that carries yeah, that that I don't know. Yeah. Does it matter? No, no, it's fine.
0: Okay. Um, so actually in a previous in a previous accident. Uh, Chuck Yeager actually hurt his arm. Yes. His shoulder. Yes, and did. so he, and I don't know if it was broken, but he it was definitely strained. His arm yep. was strained. Yep. And uh, he shouldn't have been flying that day, yes, basically. He should.
3: he should not have. He, But he, and, but he kept it a secret. Yep.
0: yep. And he tasked his friend yep. to keep this secret. And he said, I am flying. I am doing this. I am going to be the man that breaks the, the sound barrier. I am going to reach Mach 1, basically. Yep. And he said is get me a broom handle. Well, and his buddy said a broom handle and it was because in order to close the door, you had to have the rocket plane. You had to have certain leverage and he couldn't leverage it with his, his hurt arm. Yeah. So the broom handle helped leverage the door shut and get it clamped, get that hatch
3: clamped. Well, well, it was it was the canopy. So so yeah. what it was he was talking to his friend and he's like, I, I, I can't get the canopy closed because his friend had the same, you know, his friend sympathized with him. He's like he's like, yeah, he's like, I get it. You know, you know, I'll help. You know, I'm not going to ratch out, you know, um, because it, I think it was his left arm because his right arm he flew with. He didn't really need his left arm to fly. He just needed his left arm to close the canopy. And so his so his friend cuts the cut cuts a broom handle down to a to a length, and I forget what that length was, so that he could he could take that broom handle and he could wedge it on both sides of the canopy, and he could use his good arm in the center of the broom handle to shove the canopy closed, and it would put pressure on both sides of the canopy.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Uh So he he tasked his friend to get him a broom handle. Yeah. And to get this closed and uh he did and then he broke the sound barrier and And he wonders
2: why they didn't pick him for the astronaut
0: corps (laughs) i i believe that commander cox has a tangent
3: off of my tangent i Uh, do i do actually it's another anecdote uh of mine. by the way
2: that wasn't much of a tangent jay
3: it's oh, a was a tangent.
2: you didn't, you didn't raise your voice tangent.
3: or throw anything? <laughs> no, that's me. a tantrum. No, no, no. When you raise your voice, that's a tantrum. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a tangent is an angle off of a... What's the actual definition of a tangent there, Jane? Oh, oh, get your math out of my which, show.
0: It depends on which one you want. A tangent is a, a line that intersects a circle at one point. So a tangent... So, like, think about... The floor. the floor is tangent to the ball. The um, otherwise, you're talking about a right. You're talking about a. <laughs> you're talking about a right triangle, and you'd be talking about opposite and adjacent sides to the right angle. But anyway,
3: yeah, I, I was ta- I was talking about a right triangle, and and the tangent, which is the angle opposite the the you know the the the, the, the a and b. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was yeah, talking about. Quit being obtuse. Oh, okay. Stop getting keep with me. Man. <laughs> anyway, um, stay on target. So, so anyway, uh, so. um my uncle, uh, uh, my 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 father's brother, um, work, currently works for the FAA, the 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 uh, Federal Aviation Administration. Uh, but many years ago, when he started in his career path, he was the manager, um, or I guess managers work the boss, the guy that ran the uh, Boyle County, Boyle County, Danville, Boyle County, yeah, Boyle County airport in in Danville Kentucky Boyle County Kentucky small small place in Kentucky small airport he ran it for many years um and one Friday he had let everybody go home early you know the the whole three people that worked for the airport you know once again small airport he's like I'll take off get out of here he said I'll close up you know and so he was he was it was about three o'clock in the afternoon he was in the process of closing up he was doing his thing, and uh, the radio came on, and uh, there was a pilot declaring a mayday. And so he gets on the radio, and he starts talking to the pilot, and he gives him the directions to the airport and its capabilities and everything. And uh, um, uh, it was a P-51 Mustang, P-51D Mustang, vintage World War II, uh, and the pilot was currently dead stick. Meaning he it was so he had he had, had an oil line blow and he had lost all hydraulics. Um the engine shut down because the oil was gone. He had no 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 control at all. Um and he was fighting the aircraft for all he had to 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 maintain flight characteristics. Uh and uh so as soon as he gave him directions to the airport and 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 you know, he gave him his 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 heading and everything and he had him on radar, uh he goes out, he hits the he hits the 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 button to open the hangar door. He he hops in their little you know their little emergency response thing that they had, uh, and he heads out. And of course the the P fifty one comes in, uh, and lands. They get it stopped. He he lands safely. The pilot landed safely, but I mean it was just covered in oil, uh, from this 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 oil line blowing. And he he jumps out and he gets gets out. And they make sure that there's no fires or anything else like that. And and uh, uh, the pilot you know uh he he asked my uncle he said do you you know you have a phone i can use and he said sure so he takes him back and uh he calls his support crew so he had a he had a support crew in a semi they were on their way to an air show he was flying the aircraft to the air show the support crew was in their semi with all of their uh their 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 portable garage basically uh heading there on on the ground and he called him and told him what happened and told him where he was. Uh, and while they were waiting, they got to chit-chatting. And the pilot was Chuck Yeager's friend uh, who cut the broom handle for him. Um, uh, to allow him to become the first man to break the sound barrier. So that was... Which, a,
0: uh, which I looked up for you. Jack Ridley.
3: Jack Ridley, yes.
0: Jack Ridley was his name.
3: So, yeah, he he made an emergency landing... In the Danville, Kentucky airport in a P-51D Mustang uh, sometime around the early 2000s. Nice. Uh, yeah. So what were we talking about again? <laughs> Hell, I don't know. Star Trek, right? right? The Star Martian.
2: Uh, oh, Hawaii, it's God.
3: Correct. No. Not The Martian. Yeah. That, that um, movie is forever banned.
2: Scientifically accurate movie ever.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: finally Uh, broke the long silence of big science to let people know that you actually exhale oxygen. Until this movie, people didn't know that until this movie
3: came out. Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me?
2: Uh, (laughs) I want you to know, Scott, I'm giving you shit about the Martian because your wife told me to.
3: Oh, she did? Did did somebody (laughs) send you a text? I
2: uh, know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I know nothing.
3: Uh huh. (laughs) <laughs> I see how it is. I, mean, I uh-huh. People are working behind the scenes here to, to to undermine me. Nice. The same underhandedness
2: that can produce a, a Mad-Eye Moody wand for Christmas can also be used for evil, Scott. Nice. I know that. Okay. just
0: know that. just know that.
2: Those same back channels.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, anyway, Yeah. uh... <laughs> I just wanted to say... The right stuff. That's where we were, right? The right stuff. I really love this movie. The first time I saw this movie, I came into it at, like, it had already started. And... Came in on, was Jeff Goldblum running down the hallway into his superior's office saying that the Russians launched a a satellite. Uh, And I was like, what is this? So I continued to watch it, and I was not disappointed. I now own it. Uh, it, I have it. It's one of my favorite movies to watch. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. I usually bust it out maybe once every couple of years to re-up and watch it again. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the or- They named all of the spacecraft something seven um, in honor of the seven original astronauts for the Mercury mission. Who some of them went on to Gemini. A lot of them, their only time in space was for the Mercury missions.
3: But yeah, well, now now their only time in space was the Mercury missions, but they stayed with the program. Yeah. They, yeah. they moved into administrative positions after that. Yes. Like, yes. De, Deke, a couple Deke made it through to Apollo, didn't they? Some did. Uh, Alan Shepard.
2: But there were two that, that stayed through to at least that maybe not all through but into apollo
3: yeah well i mean i know that
2: because i watched from the, the earth to the moon so yeah there, there was again. one
0: oh god there was one astronaut that i can't i can't think who it was but i think and then he was a commander for like the first crewed apollo mission um other than one that went up into orbit and they all got sick in orbit. Like they all had a cold and they were all miserable. And like none of them flew again after that.
3: Uh, Also uh, Apollo one wasn't Apollo one until after the accident. Yes. Yeah. uh, It it was, it was actually just, it was just a a routine test. They were just testing some systems. Ooh, uh, Ooh, I know this. I know this. It was the plugs-out test. It was the plugs-out
2: test. Uh, so they disconnected. Uh, this is Apollo. Uh, before we got into numbering, they all had letters to yeah. to test certain functions to make sure it was ready to go before we got into that. So it yeah. was Apollo A, Apollo B, Apollo D. And they didn't move from one to the next until they cleared that hurdle. So this was the plugs-out test, which had been done from everything from Mercury up until now. Where you literally, so you've got your your, the Apollo was on the pad like it's going to launch. Yep. And you pull all the uh, connectors uh, that connected to any kind of external power source to make sure the the, the rocket can run on its own power properly.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they were
2: having radio communications issues, which is yep, why they yep. were on the pad so
3: long. Yes.
2: The, the uh,
3: way, uh, yeah. Command it, could not it,
2: hear them, but they could hear command.
3: Well, and there were there was a number of things, and and, and really, I, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the. The book that Apollo 13 is based on, Lost Moon by Jim Lovell, is a really, really good read. And if you've not read it, you should. Uh, the opening chapter was dedicated to Apollo 1. And basically, all the shit we learned from Apollo 1, everything that went wrong with Apollo 1, this is this is what it was. And a couple of the big things was, A, the door. Um yeah so, so, you had an interior hatch door, which had uh something like uh nine like like torque torque bolts that held it in place, and then you had an outer skin which had like thirteen or fourteen torque bolts that had it held it in place under normal conditions non emergency conditions it took them like almost a half an hour to get that door open, yeah because of how many bolts were in place to, to secure that door. It was, it was insane. Um, and then when they didn't have an emergency situation, of course, you know, I mean, the, 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 command module had, had caught fire and literally black smoke was rolling out of this thing. The gantry was filled with smoke. It was just, it was, it, it was zero visibility. And, and the emergency personnel coming onto that gang, gangway, one of the first things they had to do was they had to grab the respirators and the respirators in order. They, they had a, a chemical, uh, can, a chemical filter canister that would filter out the toxins, you know, uh, when you put it on. But in order to activate them, there was a piece of tape over the, the air intake valve that you had to pull off that opened it up. And then that activated the, 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 the mask. And the respirator, but the respirator was black, black rubber. The tape over the thing was black tape. So you're trying to find a piece of black tape on black rubber in the midst of black smoke.
0: Yeah.
2: And you want to know uh, a heartbreaking fact? I just learned about this. Sure. Okay. Yeah, Gus Grissom, who tragically lost his life in this accident. Yes. During the Mercury days. He, he would when he landed his Mercury. There was a the whole investigation because the hatch for his Mercury capsule blew early. Uh-huh. Yeah, and NASA tried to blame it on him he, he panicked and he freaked and he blew his hatch because his hatch had explosive bolts. And yeah. he defended, "No, I did not blow that hatch. It went all on its own." The investigation into that determined that yes, the explosive bolts could in fact go off on their own. Because of that information, they did not put explosive bolts. On the Apollo capsule. Yep. Ooh. In the most heart-wrenching piece of irony, proving him right that he did not blow it is one of the crazy coincidences that ended up costing him his life.
1: Yeah.
2: Because there were no explosive bolts on the
3: Apollo capsules because of that. Because of that, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, But, of course, going forward they did redesign they, they they did a major redesign on those hatches uh, and everything uh, obviously so yeah um even though you know the crew of Apollo 1 of course they they were given the 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 honor of being Apollo 1 after uh, uh, the 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 accident so the first Apollo mission to fly was Apollo 2 um um uh, i was going to say something and i completely lost my train of thought <laughs> sorry um i would like to go i've
0: i've been to cape canaveral to the kennedy space center but i I do where the memorial is out there but i would like to see that pad i don't know if you can
3: uh, yeah. So yeah, back in ninety ninety eight, I think it was, um, uh, uh, was down in Florida with my grandparents' house, and was they they surprised me with a trip to uh, uh, Kennedy Space Center, uh, and my favorite my favorite memory of Kennedy Space Center was the Apollo Saturn V Center. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did not, I don't remember seeing anything there to where officially you could get out to the Apollo one test pad. I know it still exists cause they have the, they have the dedication plaque there, which has the, the, the quote in Latin, um, uh, ad, ad, ad Astra, Aspera, I can't remember, but it's a rough road leads to the stars is what it is in Latin. Um, and, uh, uh, I, w- I would love to get out there too. I would love to go see that, that that launch pad that would be cool shit uh jay we have got to get you uh
2: next time you come here to visit to the uh national air force museum
0: uh yeah i'd love to go um I go figure i have a funny anecdote about the kennedy space center uh, oh involving my father
3: oh that's a good bookend (laughs) went
0: to florida he had a sister that lived in florida we went to visit her We rented a car. We flew down and rented a car. And there was my dad, my mom, myself, my brother Brian, my brother Chris. The five of us were going to go to the Kennedy Space Center, okay? This was before GPS, all right? This is like 95, 96, right? Before GPS, and dad is driving. And he's driving, and he's, he's following signs, and he's like, Kennedy Space Center. And we get to, like, be we're, like, on the grounds and supposedly getting close to where the visitor center is and we're going down this gravel road and i'm like dad i don't think you're supposed to be here and he's like it's fine it's fine i know where i'm going it's fine and i was like dad i I think we went through a gate no no we didn't we're good uh so it turns out we were randomly driving around on kennedy space center grounds on like access roads and maintenance roads that were not supposed to be traversed by civilians
1: yeah.
0: uh, we promptly turned around and made our way to the visitor center so funny down kennedy space center uh, i'm surprised we didn't just roll up on one of the launch pads uh, that would not have yeah. surprised me <laughs>
2: funny story jay uh you're actually on the band list um <laughs> So You can sit in the parking lot, but that's first, first I'll let you back onto the ground. Story. Right? I mean... We'll bring you this this some, when, uh, some astronaut ice cream from the gift shop, buddy.
0: <laughs> this is but, when times were very different. <laughs> that yeah,
2: that's definitely pre-9-11, yeah. <laughs> that
0: stuff is nasty. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh. It's no tang, but, you know. Well, you know. Um, but, it, but, yeah,
3: I... Um... So just out of curiosity, looking back on all the stuff that we've mentioned, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for for all the movies and everything that's out there about, you know, the the, the more realistic stuff of uh, not, not the fantastical, but the more realistic stuff uh, the representation of, of space exploration and the, uh, the, the history of space travel in the United States and the world and, yeah. and everything. Uh, like Space Cowboys, right, Jay? Like Space Cowboys, yes. yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so looking back on everything that we've talked about and, and how they kind of tie together, I think you could put together what would be the definitive watch order. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you could, you could start uh, out with see. like the right stuff, I would, with the Mercury stuff. You I definitely mean, start
2: something. with the right stuff. Yeah. And then I would jump into from Earth to the moon, but I would stop before you get to the Apollo 13 episode. And I would watch the Apollo 13 film first, then watch that episode. Okay. Uh, and I don't know where you would want to end it up because.
0: Well, now. This is. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Well, sorry. I or was going to say what I would do. What I would do. Uh, and then I would watch from Earth to the moon until you got yeah. to the lunar landing.
3: And then uh, actually, yes, I would yeah. watch
0: First Man. Yeah, I Good would watch there. First Good Man. Call. And then watch the lunar landing on Earth, from Earth to the Moon. And then, like you said, stop at Apollo 13, watch the movie, then watch the episode. Um, and then finish out from Earth to the Moon. Uh, that series.
2: So I don't think there's anything that covers the shuttle era. No, not not really. really. Space camp.
3: <laughs> c-o-m-e-i-n-c-o-n-t-r-o-l come in control
2: and that's what we're friends got <laughs>
3: <laughs> because i can
2: quote that off the top of my head a you know what the hell i'm talking about and b you can pull a quote from the robot
0: in that movie out of your ass and i uh, so uh, here's what i this is what i think is like you notice that in Many, like war movies there seems to be a lot of like world war ii movies mm-hmm. and then like some vietnam movies but not so many others right uh yeah there's a tv show about the korean war well i feel like the same thing happens with the space program where there's a lot of information about mercury and apollo not so much gemini and then they say eh, yeah there was a shuttle program um and i you know something I think,
2: i'd be curious to learn about and i don't uh, know how much information we have but i would love to know more about the russian space program at that time oh uh, that's something uh, other than uh, oh was Sputnik, it from Earth to the moon Peter gregan like no. other than like their major landmarks uh because they beat us you uh, at least in in media you
3: don't really hear much about it uh, yeah, you get, that with, you get that with Armageddon, you know, with the with the guy, you know, American components, <laughs> Russian components, all made in Taiwan.
0: Oh, John, there was I a. I never saw
3: Star wars. Sorry. There was a
0: series on the History Channel, I think. Okay. And I can't remember the name of it, but it Tales, followed Tales both of the
2: gun. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it <laughs> followed both the American and Russian space programs. Okay. And it explains like. why they just des- like it explains where they got their scientists from um the nazis it talks- that we didn't
2: get right
0: yeah it talks about it talks about like their design for space travel and why the soyuz rocket is still used today in russia yeah because it is such a reliable dude the- <laughs> The like Soyuz now,
2: rocket is the space equivalent of like the M2 machine gun. It's never yes. going to not be in use.
0: Uh, did you know, though, this is since we're talking about it and this is the episode we're talking about? Uh-huh. They told Yuri Gagarin that there uh-huh. was no guarantee he would live. I believe it. They said, There's no guarantee we can give you. off without exploding there's no guarantee that the capsule will stay airtight and the oxygen will work there's no guarantee we can re get you on re-entry <laughs> they said we're launching you up there and and this was all in that show that i watched i had i wish i'm gonna find the name of it and i will get it to you because it was a really good series Please um, do, yeah it and it basically said they basically said look if you die, like they had a thing in place, if they if he died, just like well, they the Americans had a uh, like a press release that they were going to read, talking about if Apollo 11 happened to crash, right. and basically saying how yeah that is now Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong's resting place. They had that all in place. But they like basically they told Yuri Gagarin, look, you're gonna do this or you're gonna die. Like if you die doing it, you're gonna die for your country. <laughs> so it's yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, the thing that kills me, so you know, if, if you look at it objectively with the 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 the, the space race in the nineteen sixties, like literally the Russians were ahead of us all over the place. We were behind the eight ball going in. They they beat us every step of the way. We just kept moving the goal line back until we could get something we could we could get before them. Uh and then we're like, "Look, we win." Um and everything. But the thing that kills me with the Russians and the reason I can't I I just I I just can't do anything with the Russian program is because of the dog. Oh yeah. Oh, that damn dog, I just it kills me every time. I'm an animal person, I can't help it. I don't like sad dog stories, I don't like sad cat stories. At like least cats. there's an actual
2: dog who died in this scenario, so I'll give you that, Scott. When you tell me, oh, I couldn't get, I couldn't watch the rest of that movie, the dog died. I'm like, no dog really died, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't do it. That drives me nuts, but at least in this case, there's an actual dog there's that lost its life. I'll, I'll let you have this one.
3: Well, and just the fact that they, they 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 knew ahead of time. They they had no plans to bring her back. Yeah. At all. They literally just shot her up and said, you know, okay, can she survive? Yeah, she's surviving. Okay, cool. We know life support works. All right, what Scott. about dog? Well, you know, eventually the batteries will run down and she'll just die. You Fuck.
2: don't know that it didn't get picked up by a passing spacecraft <laughs> and
3: taken to the Collector,
2: and that's how we get Cosmo the space mud. It's in Guardians into the galaxy.
3: <laughs> that is very true, which is why I love Cosmo in Marvel, because it gives me a happy ending for 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 for. for I think her I think her actual name was what? Lock, uh, Laka Laka L a i k a. Yeah, yeah.
2: What about it, the monkeys we sign up? I don't give a shit about the monkeys.
0: Oh <laughs> Here wow, <you> go, John!
2: <laughs>
0: John, I got it. I think it was called Race to the Moon, or I think it was called Space Race.
1: Space Race. Space, go Sorry. Or
0: no, Race to the Moon. Race to the Moon, I think, is what it was. Uh, It was super good because it just follows their Race to the Moon. And so, interesting side note, the reason that the Russians never got a... um, spacecraft capable of like launching to the moon is because they needed so much payload and so much thrust the thing was giant and they basically bankrupted their space program to build this rock and it exploded on the path
1: so they they built one
0: and it exploded so (laughs) Alrighty, <laughs>
2: I will give that a check. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said that. That's something you don't, especially in popular media, you never see much about. Uh, even in stuff like, and this isn't really about necessarily like space travel, but uh, October Sky, another great movie. Oh, the space underrated. race.
0: Yeah. Underrated. It is so good. Uh, I think. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna revamp. This is my my definitive. Watch. I put a new movie today. So I got to redo the order now. I got it. This is my definitive watch: October Sky. Then um, the right stuff. Then and everything you said before that. Yeah. The Earth to the Moon. Yeah. But then also throw in uh, the Race to the Moon on the History Channel. That <laughs> that show. Throw that in there because that's good. Just watch it all. Everything. Everything historical. Watch. You everything
2: watch. everywhere all at once. Got it. Yes,
0: got it. Uh, okay, get like seven TVs. <laughs> <laughs> but Anything anybody else wants uh, we'll to talk, add? This, this has been fun.
2: Uh, we definitely need to do a follow-up so we can talk about the great movies we missed, like uh, Contact and 2001 and Space Cowboys and The Martian.
0: <sighs> do you know what is the most accurate? Space travel movie out there is *The Martian*, because that some little peon at NASA has to explain to the head of NASA how space travel works using a pen and a stapler.
3: And sound
2: effects they make themselves.
3: Yes, and sound uh-huh. effects they make themselves. Do, do, do you know? Uh, you know what I have to say about that. Did you see the size of that goddamn chicken? I didn't. Can you
2: explain it to me like I'm five? <laughs> We're going to be the hap, hap, sound hap, hap, hap effects?
3: assholes. Mm-hmm. It's Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking
2: K. Can't wait till <laughs> we have that uh, all the dock soundboard.
0: <laughs> all right, Jay. Uh, this is how a spaceship works. Oh, you're the head of NASA?
3: Oh, okay. Did you know we exhale oxygen? Well, well, it, it's it's common knowledge that we exhale oxygen. Once again, see see you're changing words to change the meaning and 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 everything and it doesn't work that way. The problem is that the movie pro, uh, posits that we exhale more oxygen than we inhale. More. <laughs> Which literally anybody sitting in that theater, in that, should have gone. You know what? I'm fucking done with this movie at that point. Just like I did, pause the movie, walk out of the theater, and just throw your hands up and say, I'm done with the human race. All right? (laughs) Well, now
0: that we've effectively... ...spot to wind us down. Yeah, Nicole, that was just for you. Uh, Uh, What did you think?
2: Jay... In the words of Apollo 13, uh, come on, rookie, park that thing. Oh.
0: <laughs> did, did you like this topic? Would you like to hear more topics like this topic? Uh, do you want to hear Scott rant about the Martian? We can do that. We can make that happen. Just an hour and a half of Scott ranting about the Martian. We don't even, Obi-John and I don't even have to be there for that. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, Obi-John, for your contribution of your notes. You always. Come prepared, uh, and you—you you did Don't worry, you didn't make a fool of yourself. Between I, I felt, Scott I.
2: <laughs> I felt like uh, uh, and I forgot his name, uh, uh, Anton Yelchin from Star Trek. up um, felt like off the whole time. Oh, I know this! I know this! <laughs> I, I can do that! I, can do I felt that. like that the whole time. Yeah.
0: Uh, Commander Scott, thank you for you know agreeing to this topic and coming on and discussing hey, all the things you love that i love
3: hey, you, you and i share a passion for the for the whole you know space race in the 1960s and nasa and all that good stuff
0: and if i if i could do if i actually had a time machine i would go back and watch uh an apollo mission lift off with a saturn V rocket because one of them i th- mm-hmm. think it broke the record for speed on reentry oh uh, that will never be broken i can't remember how fast they were going but they broke the record for, for fastest re- like fastest speed upon re-entry uh, i'll have to check that out sometime well with that commander scott i think you know where to take us uh-huh.